Today, we're talking about serving, and um, we're on the ninth session of quick math, 13? So um, I may be truncating the one on cultivating spiritual fruit. I haven't decided yet. It looks like I could probably do that in one day, but um, it also could go six. So we'll just see how that transpires, because one of the things that we... Um, I've been covering this whole time is actually cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So part of growth and godliness is cultivating that the fruit of the Spirit within us. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things putting into disciplines and disciplines teaching us these <coughs> how to cultivate them. But for whatever reason, like, that usually do- doesn't make connections unless we talk about it directly. So we're probably going to talk about it at least one week, if not Six. I'm not going to take six, I promise. Um, Psalm, what? No, I'm not taking six. I'm taking six even with just five. Just five. No promises, no promises. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I want to set our hearts on uh, is Psalm 127. Very familiar psalm. But it goes right along with serving. Because one thing that uh, Peter reminds us in First Peter is that we do not serve in our own strength, but in the strength that the Lord provides. Okay? We don't speak words of our own, but we speak oracles or words of what God has said. Right? We, we remind each other of what God has said, and we, do, we serve one another in the strength that he provides. Those two things are a, a part of what Psalm 127 is kind of talking about. Okay? So, let's set our hearts here. Psalm 127 says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sheep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a great reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Notice, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, He's talking about Zion, right? Um, the place, the dwelling place of God. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. The watchman stays awake in vain. These, it's in vain that we try to work on our own when God has empowered us to do so uh, faithfully um, by His Spirit. Okay, so when we talk about service, I want us to hear that service is a portion of uh, of a larger topic called hospitality. Okay. Hospitality. Does somebody know or can explain to me what hospitality is? Go ahead. Making people feel at home and um, you know, giving your services of um, maybe food and, and house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So serving, making people feel at home, comforting them. That's what hosp- hospital is to bind up wounds or that kind of idea. Uh, but it's for their comfort. So hospitality, what do, you, what do you think that is special about Christian hospitality? The motivation. The motivation, okay, absolutely. It's showing 
Jesus through opening our homes or opening or doing things for others. Okay, so it's a demonstration of the love in which he had love for us before we knew him, right? Before the foundations of the world, he set his love on his bride. And now that we're part of that bride, we show others the hospitality um, that Christ has shown us. Which right? looks out not just physical comfort, right. but eternal. Yes, well-being. it's about spiritual well being, it's about. Um, physical well-being, it's about mental well-being, it's about all those things. It's about um, serving, and one thing that is an interesting idea of of hospitality is when you walk into a place, one of the best things, most hospitable things that can be happen, can happen, is for you not to be turned off by it the way it looks. So the person who's done, done all that work, right, so that you're able to come into that space, whether it's your home, like why do you clean up your house? It's not so that you're not judged. I will. I would hope not. Because they're going to judge you regardless. But it's so that they can feel welcome. Right? And they're not worried, oh, I'm not going to step on this Lego. Because that's how I feel every time I walk in my front door. I'm going to step on a Lego. So shoes are always on my feet. Um, (laughs) Jared knows. Uh, but But there's a level of, like, hospitality that we have for one another that is passive and active. All right? Um, service is an active form of hospitality. Okay, so I want you to think about service as an active form of hospitality. If it is not an active form of hospitality, serving one another, right, then we cannot and we have not done our, uh, our jobs as Christians, right? We, we, we're actually called to serve one another. Um, we're called to bring um, the love of Christ not only inside, but outside of the church. Service is important. So this week we want to talk about the spiritual discipline of serving in our lives. So to start off, I want us to consider what Christian service is. We've talked about what Christian hospitality is, but I want to now go to the next level. What is Christian service? Uh, Welcome. Welcome. Um, It says this, Christian service is the sincere worship of God with our whole lives. The sincere worship of God and with our whole lives. So that's a very broad definition, right? The sincere worship of God with our whole lives. And when we consider the all-of-life worship of a believer, we learn that worship encompasses the dedication of our entire lives to God's service. Not just a Sunday morning. Not just a Sunday evening. But everything you do, you do unto the glory of God. I'm going to take it one step further. Why do we do that? Because we are, we're called, one, as the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers means that we all have the responsibility to share and love God through our entire lives, through two people uh, who are like us and unlike us, who are believers and unbelievers, who are um, you know, rich and poor, who are uh, whatever, you, you name it. But everybody is to receive the same level of dedication and love for love that we have received in Christ Jesus. We can't, in fact, have Christian service at any level or hospitality without this understanding. Because without the understanding that Christ himself gave himself for us before we knew him, right? Uh, Romans uh, 5.8, I believe it is. He died... 
before we had even before we knew him. But we died. He died before we chose him. He died. He set forth his plan in eternity past. And now here, now we are learning that his love for us is greater because we are his bride, and he's the bride. So, in other words, he's the husband, and we are the wife. The church is the wife of Christ. So, like the other disciplines, service is a part of the whole life worship of God who created us and redeemed us through Jesus Christ. Here's my goal. It is not to bash over your head that we need more children's workers. Okay? Not to bash you over the head. In fact, I I want you to hear something completely different. Um, That would be a great outworking of an understanding of Christian Christian service and worshiping through service. But I want you to hear that what what I'm calling for is a dedication to the body so much so that you are there to meet the needs of one another. That's Christ has met our every need. He has forgiven us of every stain of sin, and we are now there to, first off, love one another, just like it's laid out in the scriptures in so many different ways, um, but also to love others who are not like us and show them hospitality. So it's in, out, inside, out, um, because of what Christ has done. The service we are called to is obedience motivated by, motivated by our faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Such service includes praising God with our words, so what we do here is singing or just speaking to one another, gospel ministry, the going out and evangelizing, financial giving, that's a part of service also, because it upholds the, the ministry of the church, and serving one another, Philippians 4.18. If you have um, your handouts, if you don't have a handout, can you raise your hand so I can send you Rant, and uh, if you give Katie one, it'd be great. Good to see you. Um, Hebrews thirteen fifteen, Romans fifteen sixteen, Romans fifteen twenty seven, and Philippians four eighteen. Do you guys have those as your in your notes at the very beginning? Not all of them. Not, not all of them. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write these down if they're not there. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. That's how we, we praise God with our words. I'm not going to read them right now. What I want you to do is take this home and talk, and talk about these four aspects. So praising God with our words, Hebrews 13, 15, gospel ministry, which is Romans 15, 16, Romans 15, 16, financial giving, Romans 15, 27, and serving one another, Philippians 4.18. Philippians 4.18. So you should have Hebrews 13.15, Romans 15.16. They sound really from the same. Romans 15.27, and then Philippians 4.18. So I want you to look those up after we're done, at lunch or some other time, meditate on what those verses are getting at. But this is the service that we are called to obey. these are the, the, the motivations, our obedience, I should say, the obedience that we are called to that serves one another. So you could be leading a Bible study, witnessing to co-workers, or striving to live as a godly husband, wife, father, mother, child, boss, whatever, right? But these are all different forms of service, and they all have one common goal, and it's on our back wall, the glory of God.
Okay, so I've used this illustration a couple times. I'm just going to use it one more time, and God forgive, God forgive me for using the same one. If so there's a lot of a lot of talk about service um, and in the mundane things, and and I think there's a lot of validity to this. But if you find yourself washing the dishes and griping about the dishes that you're washing and the fact that you have to wash the dishes, your heart might be in a very very dark place. It's motivated by and here's why. Here's why. Yes, washing dishes is not fun. Nobody likes washing dishes. I mean, I don't. But it is a service that I render to my family when I do wash the dishes, right? And because I am serving my family, that dirty fork is actually being provided for another chance for them to use it, right? By me washing it. And in that washing of that dirty fork, guess what? I am glorifying God because I am taking my time to care for another person. Okay? So there is not a low enough chore that does not glorify God. So if, um, if you don't like washing the dishes, I'm with you. I hate it too. Uh, because I just, uh, you know, I don't want to wash dishes. But at the same time, it is an opportunity to serve one another. And so that is what you take joy in. You may not like the very thing, like dirty jobs and micro. Have you ever watched them? So good. So good. But, but, but one of the things is, is that He's, he, he actually emphasizes a lot of the times that how much this serves others, right? Without these dirty jobs, we would be living in a, a very different society without getting too graphic. And it's right? changing your perspective yes. on the why. Yes. And if you don't know the why, um, if you don't know the why, that's when uh, a more mature believer is really helpful. It's like, why am I doing this is a great question. Why, why am I doing this? And if the answer is not to glorify God and serving one another in some way, um, then we have stuff to learn, right? we got something, something to learn. So we see all this in 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12. So somebody would turn there for me. That would be great. I got it. 2 Thess- Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12. Go ahead. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good, and every work of faith finds power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See, Paul prayed these things so that Christ would be glorified by their service to one another. So, and that's verse 12. And understanding the so I'm harping on this because understanding the whole purpose of Christian service is important. After all, serving is hard work. It takes time, right? It takes time away from things that you want to be doing, like me. I would love to be fishing on my kayak sometimes. But I have not been fishing on my kayak for almost a year, and it's killing me. A lot of that has to do because I'm trying to do other things. I've got more... What? And we should go tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow is Labor Day. Yeah, I have a Labor And Jared has... There we go. Um... So anyway, but I, I would love to be doing those, but I have other things that need to be done, right? And so those are more higher priority because those are going to glorify God in one another's lives, not just in my own life. So understanding the goal of Christian service is important after all. Sir, it's hard work. It also goes unappreciated, right? Serving often goes unappreciated by other people. Beth and I were talking about this the other day. Being a mom is the most unappreciated ministry that you can ever have. And the reason why is not because 
Not because what you're not doing is not hard work, or but people just think that it's not a, as important as going and making a million dollars. And the people, the little people and the big people that you're serving all the time, it, it does go unappreciated because guess what? Our perspective is not about, well, I thank God that you did this and you've served us in this way, right? Uh, meanest mom ever crown. Meanest mom ever crown. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like being a mother is actually one of the hardest ministries to obtain or hardest ministries to, to persevere in, I should say. Right, because it, it is unappreciated a lot of times. I, 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 I told Beth last night, it's kind of like being a pastor. Uh, just not outside the home. Because a lot of what goes on is unappreciated. You don't see the counseling. You don't see the prayer. You don't see the prep. You don't see the any of that stuff. You don't see the, the constant, like, why my knees are so bad. You don't see why, you don't, you don't see these things, right? Uh, but you do see what happens on Sundays. You do see the interactions. And those just, it doesn't kind of get appreciated about how much goes on behind the scenes. It's much like a CEO of a good company. He does so much. He's done so much to get there. Uh, we don't know how much. You, know? you just don't know. So it can be hard to be served, to serve. But I, all, I want to caution you. That's not a reason to not serve. <laughs> because it's hard. Laziness and pride often hinder our service. So without discipline, without the discipline of serving, even when we don't want to, we will only serve occasionally, when it's convenient or opportune, or when it benefits us. What we're, a lot of times people are asking, like, uh, I've, said, I've seen it happen. Hey, we want you to sign up for BBS. Well, what am I going to get out of it? So um, that's the question. Right? Even, even, if, even if it's said in much softer terms, like, well, I don't know if that's, that's exactly what I want to do with my time. It's not for me. It's not for me. That's the same question. right? That's the same response. It's not worth it. Can you turn my mic down just a little bit? Thank you. So, again, it's not when it benefits you. It's not when it's convenient. We, we're called to serve one another immediately when we're in the body. Immediately when we come into the body of Christ, we are called to serve one another. Paul in Romans 12, 11, exhorts to not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the spirit to serve the Lord. Romans 12, 11, C. You really want to break it down. Serve the Lord. See, zeal is the opposite of sloth. The word zeal in our Bible is derived from the Hebrew word, Hebrew and Greek words for jealous, right? Jealous. But to be zealous for the Lord, for God, is to be jealous for his glory, not for his attention. Right? It's for his glory, not for his attention. Such that we vigorously labor to glorify him in all that we do. So if, uh, if you're going about your life and you're, you're like, do I get involved in this? You're, you're like, uh, oh gosh, your test for if you get involved with something or not is something like this. Does it benefit me? Will I become... Will, will I be able to, will I, will I, will I, then you've kind of missed the point of Christian service, right? You've missed the point of the body. The body is there on purpose for one another. Because there's something that Steve can give that Lindsay can't. There's something that I can that Jed can't. You know, we've all been made for one another. We come in this one body, right? First Corinthians, we're going to get there, yes. you know, about we're all members of the same body. We, you cannot judge 
one another as um, more or less better. Because if, here's the thing. If we're not willing to serve one another inside the church, we're definitely not going to serve each other outside the church or anybody else. Okay? And we're called to do this great thing called the Great Commission. Make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing and teaching. You can't do that if you're not serving. Yeah, right? Remember, serving can be gospel ministry also. So, point number one, finally, I apologize for the long intro. Point, point number one, every Christian is expected to serve. Right? The chief end of all of Christian life is to glorify God, right? So therefore, every Christian is expected to serve. We are servants of Christ, letter A. We are servants of Christ because we are a redeemed people. He bought us by his blood. And so we now serve him as our Lord, as our King, as our God. Romans 6.22 says this, But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification, and it's in eternal life. So we serve the Lord because he has set us free from the death that we deserve. Right? We serve his people because Christ himself has given himself for the whole body. See, we no longer live for ourselves because it's no longer, we, we are no longer masters of our own lives. Being master of your own life, by the way, just leads you to death. That's the whole point. Um, you cannot serve two masters, mammon, or God. What he's saying is you cannot serve anybody but God and have life. Instead, our obligation now is to live for Christ who has brought us, bought us by his own blood. We just did this last week. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. You are not your own, but you were bought with a price. Take that all the way back to the roots of it. Mm-hmm. And you're in the garden, yep. hearing the terms, you shall be as God, knowing good and evil for yourself, being able to decide for yourself. Just to be evil. clear, that's what Satan said. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was what the temptation was. Yep. You'll be God. And it's autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's self-rule. And, and modern culture, and I'm sure for eons previous. Yeah. What do you mean freedom in Christ if I'm his servant? Yeah. You're free to live forever. So out of gratefulness in your heart, we serve the Lord. Right? He bought us. That's letter A, right? And so we are, because we are his people, we are also called to serve. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, 8 to 10 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. Right? Not the result of works that you've done, because they're killing you, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Okay? So Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 show this, but 8 and 9 very clearly say this. Salvation is entirely by God's grace, not by our own works, right? As poor and needy sinners, our only hope is to trust in Jesus, right? And to receive his work as on our behalf, as our own. He alone is our Savior, and we can do nothing to earn his salvation. Go back. I was talking about an evangelistic encounter I had on Tuesday. And he, he asked me the question, um, 
just for reference, you know, how can this God be so good if all these bad things have happened to me? And I was reminded about the blind man who got, I guess, the, the disciples asked Jesus, what are you, uh, who sinned, this man or his parents, you know, that he might be blind? And there, his response was, this man is blind so that the power of God might be glorified in this moment, right? Something along those lines. That was the paraphrasing for you. But the whole point was, he was blind on by God's providence, so that God's glory might be shown from it. Right? We were dead in our sins and trespasses for a purpose, that we might be demonstrating the love of God in Christ Jesus, that he set before him, so that we might be made alive in Christ Jesus and show the world what God's power is able to do. Right? He's all-powerful. But God don't, people don't believe that there's a God all-powerful out there. He's all good, but they don't understand what good means. Right? But if, we don't, if we're not having conversations, if we're not serving them, if we're not showing them the glory of God through the Word, then we are going to find ourselves constantly saying, yeah, look at how great I am. Look how great my life is. And if you just look at me for two seconds, you'll find out that there's not that great, there's not that much good about me, except for Jesus. Like, I am who I am by the grace of God, not because I learned some technique. Amen. And, and whenever people, there's always the people who are like, well, I can never go to church or whatever because yeah. of things I do. Paul fights it in the fight. But such were some of you. And then he lists like the worst layers right. of sin that you could possibly have. Right. It's, but it's all because of the glory of God comes that free gift of grace. Yes. But such were some of you. Such were some of you. And such, those such were are called to serve one another and serve the world. Um, we're called because of God's goodness. See, serving Christ involves serving the church, not just offering our lives in service of the Lord, but service of the body. So serving Christ involves serving his church. We cannot claim to serve Christ if we are indifferent to the welfare, to the goodness and the well-being of everybody else around us. This challenges the way we think about church. So I'm going to ask you a question. I just want you to think about it. Do we join a church because of the good that we can gain from it? Or do we become members so that we can serve other Christians and be a blessing to them? Right? So are you a consumer saying, I want and these are the things that I can get? Or are you a producer? Because the producer is what God calls us to be producing based on the good works that have been set before us. Um, I could keep going here, but I want to ask you a question, and I want you to answer this one. So what obstacles keep you from serving? Uh, and don't speak about your general one unless you're like really, really like bold and want to do that. But what obstacles do you think that people here have for serving? Time. Time, thank you. Your busyness. Priorities. Priorities, yes. They got them backwards. It's okay. You're right. You're right. Backwards priorities. Yep. Um, I'm not called to do that. I'm not called. Yeah. I've heard that one more. No one is called to be in nursery. I've heard that one more, and I just kind of go. <laughs> so what else? I've heard time calling. Fear of not doing it right. Fear of not doing it right. That's actually a big one. Like one way that um, we like to involve a whole bunch of people in our service is by having different readers up here. 
And I've been turned down so many times because they're like, I'm just afraid I'm going to read it wrong. I'm like, read it beforehand. <laughs> and then, you know, like that's it. But it is this like, I don't want to do it wrong and I don't want to serve that way. I'm afraid. What other obstacles? I've served for many, many years. I have been it's doing time, this forever. It's time for me to... Yes. Yes. And, and I want you to hear all of these are, you know, me centered, not we centered. Right? It's all about consuming at that point. It's not about producing. Uh, somebody asked John Calvin on his way to, or John Calvin in his uh, ministry when he was getting older, he was preaching from his deathbed. Like literally, they would carry him up the, up the steps to the pulpit <laughs> uh, because he was literally not able to sit up. And they asked him when he was, somebody asked him offhandedly, and this is my, again, the Corey interpretation of this, or whatever. Uh, but he, they asked him, what, what is it? Why do you keep preaching? And he said, because I'm not with my Lord yet. I'm not with my Lord yet. I'm not with my Lord yet. He's doing exactly what God has called him to do. And he was going to do it until his deathbed. Jan Hus, when he was being burnt at the stake, was singing a psalm. And uh, I can't remember what the psalm. Jed, Jed, do you remember? What the no, psalm? I don't remember. It's not he, he does remember, though. No? <laughs> I remember he said a thing about they cooked a goose, but they haven't, like... No, but they haven't got the gander. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but it was, he was actually singing a psalm on his way to the gallows, because he got hung and then burnt, because they, the Catholic Church hated him that much. Um, so he, he, he's, like, singing these psalms, and he said going to his death that he would continue to praise his Lord. Go back further. Go back further. Um... Church father, anybody want to help me? He was going to be taken to execution. He was 89. Polycarp. Polycarp, thank you. Thank you. And what he, they said, all you have to do is renounce the Lord. Essentially, that's not what he said. He just said, renounce your atheism. Um, say that your God is not God, only God and will let you free. And he said, why would I ever do that? My Lord and God has been faithful to me in these 89 years. Why would I ever forsake him? See, uh, serving... It has more to do with our hearts, where they're at, than it actually what it does, what we do with our hands. Take it, take it back a little bit further. Oh yeah, we could keep going. Paul, Paul, and in then prison, singing how about Peter? Peter being crucified upside down, uh, like all the disciples and their martyrdom. Like you could keep going, you just keep going. Um, Jeremiah, like you. Anyway, keep going. I'm not, I'm not going to keep going. So let's talk about motivations for serving. Because this will correct, I think, a lot of what the, those, those fears, right? Because the fear in someone saying, oh, I'm, a, not, I'm afraid I'm not going to do it right, is that there's a motivation behind that. There's a something behind that motivating that, and it's like, I'm not perfect, right? So it's like a false understanding of pride in what their abilities are. So motivations can change a lot of these things. Such obstacles can make us less fervent in serving the Lord. A good way to rekindle our passion for serving the Lord is to meditate on the biblical motivations for doing so. And this is also a helpful, helpful way for checking our own motives for our, our service today. One, we are motivated by obedience. So Deuteronomy 13.4 says this, It is the Lord, your God, you must follow. And Him you must revere. Keep His commands and obey Him. Serve Him and hold fast to Him. So, we serve God... Because he commands it. And 
The next one is gratitude, motivated by gratitude, right? He commands our service, but we serve him out of gratitude. In 1 Samuel 12, 24, it says this, Be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. What has God done for you? Everything. He's accomplished the one thing that could not be accomplished by any other means, which was the forgiveness of sins. And so we serve out of gratitude. We serve because we are, we are forgiven. Motivated by gladness. See, meditating upon what God has accomplished in Christ should fill us not only with gratitude, but also with joy. So serving with joy is the object. It's not serving with dreariness. Oh, I guess I'll go to the nursery. I guess I'll do. As long as they go. <laughs> we have a motivation problem, right? Uh, no, you're <laughs> the whole point is these are shoulds. Should by motivated by obedience. Should by his uh, by by gratitude by gladness and joy. It says this in Psalm 102: Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His courts with thanksgiving, right? Or into His presence with singing. So we're motivated by uh, obedience, by gratitude, by gladness, by humility also. There's a simple tendency in us that says, if I have to serve, I want some recognition. Again, we're going to go back to the mamas. Mamas, the most unappreciated ministry in the world, being a mother. Um, And so uh, if you were to get any recognition for it, if that was your motivation, would you be a mom? No. No. Because you, you're not going to get it. Not until you're much older. And your kids go, I'm sorry, Mom, you were right. Maybe. 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 Hopefully. We pray for it. Uh, but motivated by humility is, is, a, is a, a powerful understanding of why we serve the God we serve. Pride and self-centeredness hinder our sincere Christian service. Through the power of the Spirit, we must strive to put these sinful desires to death. Right? And at the same time, model... Um, we must model our service after Christ's example. He's a perfect example of what it means to serve in humility. What did he do? He came from heaven to earth, right? Put on flesh, dwelt among us. He didn't have to, right? But he did. And to, to be a part of his, uh, his life, to be given life, eternal life, he did exactly what was necessary. He went to the cross, right? Even though he didn't deserve it. He willingly went there. And so we have two examples of humility, right? He put, took on flesh and dwelt among us, but also he went to the cross and died for us. So the humility that we have is motivated by, by Christ and Christ alone, but also motivated by love. So love is at the heart of Christian service. Without love, any form of service would be hypocritical and dreary. Love motivates and encourages us to serve God more and more fervently. Right? So firstly, it is God's love for us in Christ that spurs us to love him, or to serve him. Second, it is our love for God that encourages us to serve him. So notice this is love for God's love for us and our love for God both encourage us to serve him. 
Thirdly, our love for others, other Christians, ought to motivate us to serve them. Because they're a part of your body. If you see a sister hurting, what is the right response? Go and comfort her. If you see a brother who cannot get his act together, what is the right response? Not smack him. (laughs) Come around him and show him what he needs to be doing and encourage him to do so. Sometimes it looks like that. Back with the word. With the word. Thank you, Jared. Yeah. Jared, yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> so I'll take my Bible. <laughs> Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, or an opportunity for your selfish desires. But through a love, through love, serve one another. Okay, through love, serve one another. See, we're motivated by love also. We're also motivated by reward. See, and this is where we can get kind of wonky. Some people would say you are motivated by by rewards, rewards that you'll receive here. But that's not what Jesus says. Right? Jesus doesn't say that we should serve one another to get a new car. He says this, in fact, Matthew 6, 19-21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? In, in fact, Jesus says something a little later in the Gospels, particularly Matthew, he says, uh, if you deny yourself and follow me, forsake mother, father, and all those other things out there, the world, you will receive a hundredfold right back. Not in this life necessarily. If you're blessed that way, great. But it's the blessing of the eternal life of Christ that matters. Motivated by reward. And also motivated by a desire for godliness. And this is where that, that um, I don't remember who said it, but I'm not called. Thank you. The, I, don't, I don't feel called to death ministry. I took a spiritual gift inventory and it told me that I don't have the gift yeah, I mean, people do it, so uh, I've heard it firsthand. Um, but, but it's a misunderstanding of what this is, right? We serve in places that, that, that have need. God, God creates and uh, sustains us through one another and through his word, through by his spirit. So we're a part of that plan. Every one of us, old, young, middle, it doesn't matter. We're all part of that plan. If you're a believer in Christ, you're a part of the priesthood of believers. I'm going back there. Because the priesthood of believers, what did the priesthood do? They served in the temple. They served your call for a purpose, which is to serve one another. But guess what? Sometimes it looks like serving in places we don't like. Sometimes it looks like serving as a park, parking attendant. We don't have parking attendants. We don't have guys out there uh, parking everybody. But sometimes it looks like that. In Kid Fest, we do. But sometimes October is still 100 degrees. And guess what? We serve the Lord with gladness in our hearts, not the fact that it's 100 degrees outside. Right? We, we want to be... And that, that is supposed to develop its sort of godliness within you. Right? Um, what are the fruit of the Spirit? Just give me one and I'm going to keep going. Love. Love. Thank you. Fun. Joy. Joy. Peace. Peace. Patience. Gentleness. Gentleness. Self-control. Self-control. Right? So... The, these these are being developed in you when you serve, yeah. right? Because who's ever served in with kids? If you haven't learned patience, oh. 
then you need to go serve with the children more. Um, because serving alongside patient people is not going to produce any patience with you. But being required to have patience with little ones who don't know what's going on, that will produce some patience in you. Or you'll show, demonstrate that you need a lot of, you know, sometimes coming around them and talking with them sternly about the word and how it calls us to serve everyone another in gladness. And I'm not going to take Jared's approach, but what he was saying. Um, and that is, those are our motivations. So uh, to dispel the uh, not gifted portion, I want you to see point number three, every Christian is gifted to serve. As Christians, we have all received the Holy Spirit. He sovereignly equips each one of us with spiritual gifts so that we are able to serve God. Okay? Able to serve God. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 11. I'm just going to read those two. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Serving is a automatic gifting of every Christian. Now, you may not be gifted in the, uh, the like the serving one another like an administration because you just may not have that kind of mindset. But that's not the kind of service I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the holistic serving of the body, binding up wounds, comforting one another, caring for one another, doing what's necessary, these kinds of things. And we do not serve under our own strength, but out of the strength that the Lord provides. So, Every Christian is gifted to serve and given the strength to serve. And when you hear these two things, we're gifted and given the strength because the Spirit is within us. 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that every God, everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, we serve because you are gifted and strengthened to serve if you have the Spirit within you. If you have the Spirit within you, then you're a Christian. All right? If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit within you. This is how this works, and therefore you're called to serve. But service requires discipline. It requires doing things that are uncomfortable. Um, I was reminded this past week in a conversation uh, at our GC of why that why why does it seem like some people can deal with pain and some people can't? If you watch if you watch a, a SOCOM or a soft training video or something like that, a lot of what's going on here in in special operations training in the military is to make you patiently endure really bad situations. Right, so why would you have to dead man float for two minutes and have to do this through a dive school, like to pass dive school? Dead man float doesn't really matter what it is, but the idea is you're like floating in a position that is going to make you drink water. So why, why would you have to do that? Why would you have to endure that to be a special operator? So that that doesn't deter you from the mission to be accomplished, right? And that you have the patience and endurance to get through whatever pain is coming your way. And so we go through, we serve hard in places that will make us grow. That's a, that's a big thing. And it requires discipline. Disciplining ourselves for service means that we have to deliberately set a time, aside time 
energy, and resources for the Lord's work. Time, energy, and resources. That means you have to set part of your life, if not all of your life, in the service of the Lord so that his glory might be known and made known amongst all nations, here and around the world. Do you understand what I'm getting at? If you're not making time for this, then the first thing you need to do is say, what is hindering me? If it's your job and because you're working 80 hours a week, that might be hindering you from serving your first priority, which is your family. right? If you're working uh, even 60 hours a week, by the way, that's a lot of hours. Um, it might be hindering you. If, if you think that watching Netflix for four hours at night is okay, it might be hindering you from growing in godliness and serving one another. So these are all uh, disciplined things that we need to take into consideration. And finally, finally, why do we serve? We want to move towards godliness. With that, uh, I want to read one thing. Um, I want to read a, a, a poem by Horatius Boner. And he, or Bonar, or however you say his name, he, he was in the 1800s, uh, but this is a beautiful poem, and it just calls the Christian to act on what he's been called. So here it is. Go on, go on, labor on, spin, and be spent. Thy joy to do the Father's will, it is the way the Master went, should not the servant tread it still. Go, labor on, tis not for naught, Thy earthly loss is heavenly gain. Men heed thee, love thee, praise thee not. The master praises what are men. Go, labor on, your hands are weak. Your knees are faith, your soul cast down. Yet falter not, the prize you seek is near, a kingdom and a crown. Go, labor on while it is day. The world's dark night is hastening on. Speed, speed thy work, cast sloth away. It is not thus that souls are one. Toil on, faint not, keep watch and pray. Be wise, the erring soul to sin. Go forth into the world's highway. Compel the wanderer to come in. Toil on, and in thy toil rejoice. For toil comes rest, for exile home. Soon shalt thou hear the bridegroom's voice. The midnight cry, behold, I come. Come home. So, when we talk about service, I want you to keep in the beauty of what Christ has done. When we talk about service, it's not an advertisement. Okay, so we're like, hey, we need Christian, we need, we need workers in the nursery. It's not an advertisement. It's like, ooh, you know, uh, accepting applications. No, it's, uh, we're calling you into a place that is a need of the body. And we would love for you to volunteer with us. If, if, if there's a place like Kids Fest coming up, which is not called Kids Fest, I don't know, what are we calling it? Drum tree. And you're like, I just don't want to serve out in the hot sun. Guess what? That might be exactly what God needs, or God's calling you to do, to produce godliness within you. So, that we're going to finish, we're going to pray, we're going to be done, and uh, next week we have uh, stewardship. So we're going to talk about stewardship next week. Pray with me. Oh, Father in heaven, we labor in vain unless you are the one that is laboring before us. Lord, give us the strength to serve your name well. Give us the words to speak, the eyes to see, the ears to hear when you are calling. 
Lord, we are um, submitting ourselves to you in your presence, your power, your spirit. But we would love to hear where you are calling us next. Um, Lord, we pray all these things. We pray that these, uh, these points have hit home, that are, we are motivated by the cross, motivated by humility, motivated by Jesus and his example to serve you well. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We got eight minutes.